Doug. Hey, Karen. We're having a Groundhog Day. Yes, take two. Take two. Um, we are doing season four, episode nine, Amanda Unplugged, which we did last week, but the but, recording came out bad. Yes, so you don't know that we did that last week. Because you're hearing it for the first time, us recap this episode. Right. So we're recapping an episode we've already recapped. But it'll be fine. Yeah. In fact, everything is better the second time around. It'll be better than ever. Absolutely. But as you can see, we've got a, um, or as you can hear, we've got a, we're trying out a new recording studio and I think it's going to sound better. We sure hope so. Please let us know. Um, so where to begin? So Amanda unplugged. Oh boy, is she ever. And she's not the one with the biggest problem when we start this episode now, is she? No, I think the biggest problem there is going to be Jack, right? I think it's a, I think it's a pretty big problem. Yeah, he's almost dead. Yeah. Okay, well, here's the thing. He is, but he isn't. Like, he keeps, like, I don't... So, well, okay, yes. At the very beginning, Amanda is the one who's in a bad situation. Well, okay, but here, here's the thing, right? With Jack, which we saw in the last episode, too, is, like, he's, like, he's all, like, laid up in bed, but then he comes, too, and it's, like, he's got, like, superhuman strength. Yeah, from from the hospital bed. From the hospital bed. Like, he's, he's, like, he's, like, in a coma, and he's near death, and then all of a sudden he comes, too, and he's got, like, his hands wrapped around Amanda's throat, and he's choking her, and then, like, two seconds later, he falls away, and he just passes out again. Right, and your problem is this show is too realistic? Yeah, I'm just, it's like, you know, it just needs to be faker. Yeah, uh, yeah, I feel like I'm still more forgiving because I'm just like, it's so ridiculous, I'll go with it. I know, but it's like, couldn't they just try a little bit? Well, I mean, could is the operative word. I guess. Okay, so... Our cold open is we're at the hospital. Amanda is at Jack's bedside. There's a nurse in there who apparently thinks they're happily married still. Yeah, I mean, really only, like, Peter and I guess Michael are aware that, like, there was bad blood and that, like, uh, you know, a faked death and and such for all this time. And that he's, you know, a terrible human being. And so basically, like, the nurse is trying to soothe Amanda and, oh, your poor husband and, oh, you poor thing and, oh, he'll be fine. And Amanda's like, do you think he can hear me? And the nurse is like, oh, darling, I'm sure he can hear you. And so Amanda's like that little sort of like, you know, eyebrow goes up and she's got this little light in her eye and the nurse walks out and then she like leans over and she starts to whisper in his ear all the terrible things that he ever did to her. So it's basically an info dump. Um, yeah, it's it's kind of a chance for Amanda to have like a little badassery uh, with him. Um, but yeah, it's basically like more information about all the horrible abusive things he did to her when they were in Florida during that fake past of hers. Right, right. And so she wraps up her, her recap of beatings with by whispering that she hopes he dies. And um, yeah. and that was really kind of great. Yeah, no, I mean, Heather Locklear holds her own through this storyline, I believe. I, I agree. And I also like that the writers didn't, like, this is where they could have turned her weak. That's true. You know, um, you know, this is where they could have turned her weak, and they didn't. Which I think was was really pretty, like, good on them. Although, you know, 
they, they did bring this, they keep reviving this guy from the near dad, but that's fine. That's fine. That's fine. Um, speaking of writers, by the way, I would like to bring up something about the man whose name is listed as the writer for this episode, who has written, I think, other ones and eventually became a Melrose producer. Who was it? I didn't even notice. His name is James Kahn, but it's not that James Kahn. It's spelled K-A-H-N, um, like Genghis, not like James Kahn of the Godfather. But here's the thing, and I'm on his Wikipedia page right now. James Kahn is an American medical specialist and writer best known for his novelization of Return of the Jedi. He has also written the novelizations of the films Poltergeist and Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. So, as far as I'm concerned, this guy is a hero and he can do whatever he wants. Okay, well, oh, he's he's a medical specialist? I knew you were going to come back to that part of it. I, yeah. I, what? Yeah, so, it's kind of like the opposite of when you bring a consultant on to share their expertise. He seems to be like, this is what happens in real life, do the opposite. If he's at all helping them with any sort of medical writing. Well, if he's a medical specialist, then I'm a forensic specialist. So why didn't you write for CSI? I think I'm going to go do that right now. Yeah, goodbye. End of podcast. Karen is off. (laughs) Nice to know you. Later. That's insane. A medical specialist. What's his training? Um, let's read down. Did he, did he go to Matt's, um, (laughs) did he go to Matt's medical school? Uh, no, he went to the University of Chicago, which is an amazing school. No, he did not. That was for undergrad and he was a theater major, right? Well, it says medical school at the University of Chicago. Shut up. He was also very active in the anti-Vietnam movement. He did a medical internship at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. He did a first-year residency in emergency medicine at L.A. County Hospital, USC. He took another year in his training to work various emergency departments around L.A. So he apparently held on to nothing. Wow. That's banana. What kind of hospitals do they have out in Los Angeles? This is bananas if this is true. I don't know. He ran the emergency department at St. John's Hospital in Santa Monica, California. I have more questions now than I ever did before. He also wrote for St. Elsewhere, the best hospital show of all time. Well, that I will agree with. That was the best hospital show of all time. And that one was like, like had real hospital-y things going on that were like legit. That makes sense. Melrose Place does that. It's like, it's like the writers hired him. It's like the, right, the, the producers hired him to, I don't know, maybe make it a little bit more real. And he just was like, oh, but it's Melrose Place. We I can't do so. that. So here is apparently where the career transition began. And I feel like maybe they need an extra sentence in this paragraph. But while working at St. John's Hospital, he and others in the emergency department there were contacted by Kathleen Kennedy and Melissa Matheson, who is was a screenwriter and, and Harrison Ford's ex-wife, soliciting technical assistance in the resuscitation of an alien. Khan and others were invited to join the cast and crew in the production of the Steven Spielberg film E.T. the Extraterrestrial. In the film, Khan plays the doctor who confirms E.T.'s death, which, spoiler alert, E.T. doesn't really die. But, okay, um... So this I is guess fascinating. I, I don't I, even want to talk about the episode anymore. I, we can cover that in like two sentences. This is like, so I guess they wanted a way to realistically depict how a doctor would try to tend to an alien. And this was his 
entree, entree, I don't, um. Suddenly Melrose Place makes total sense. While on the set, oh, I guess so he wrote in his spare time. He wrote a science fiction trilogy, and when he was summoned to be an E.T., he gave a copy of his novel to Spielberg, which resulted in him getting the assignment to novelize Poltergeist, which was in post-production at the time. And that's how he wrote the novelizations of Jedi. He also did The Goonies, Poltergeist 2, and that's how he began to get television work. He ended up working primarily in TV, Star Trek The Next Generation, Xena Warrior Princess, Star Trek Voyager, and All My Children, in addition to Melrose Place. James Caan, I love you. James Caan, we salute you. Absolutely. Hats off. Wow. So yeah. that's why Melrose Place just is so realistic this episode. That, that, that is why, yeah. With, like, Michael creeping into the records room again and, you know, um, um, Jack sort of, like, springing back to life and then dying again. And, yeah, yeah so Sid, realistic. Sid just randomly showing up. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. So, yeah. yeah, there's, um, I mean, this backstory is more interesting than any plot. Actually, kind of, yeah. Oh, you know what I realized um, when we were, uh, our failed recording, we actually were going to talk about Sid's look, and we never did. We had mentioned that in passing, and I'm wondering if we should discuss that now before we forget. Yeah, let's just just get it out there, yeah. She looks like a drag queen. She, you know who she looks like? A drag queen? Okay, so you do know. Specifically, not a drag queen, but like drag adjacent. And I feel like we may have mentioned this before. My beloved and I say it all the time. She reminds us of the lead singer from D-Light, Groove is in the Heart. Oh, yeah. I would say that that is definitely drag adjacent. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah, Sid's got this, like, kind of big blowout. I don't know. You'll describe it much better because it's your bailiwick. But, um... Well, she's got, like... Okay, so she's got her trademark it's a very red retro, hair. Yes. And she's got that sort of, like... Bufanti, like it's straight, but it's got like that sort of bufanti uplift, that upsweep going yeah. up away from your from your face, and then it like sort of like goes down straight. So it's like got that that sort of like bewitched fifties sixties style thing going on. And her makeup, though, it's her. It's it honestly more than her hair. I think it's her makeup. She's got like these like her her lips are always like bright red or like bright colors. And and I almost feel like her her blush is kind of square. I don't actually know what that means, but I'm nodding my head and agreeing with you. Okay, great. That okay, yes, perfect. That, must, yeah. that all sounds right to me. So anyway, it's basically like I, I feel like this season it's like Sid styled by the fabulous divine. I like. I mean, she really she really does look like a drag queen. She she really does. Yeah, I mean. It's more pronounced now. I feel like she looks, like, retro campy all season since the bombing, but it's, it's definitely, like, a new Luke here. And I have to tell you, from memory, I don't think this Luke lasts very long because I think there's a haircut involved. I hope so because I don't I don't like it. I don't... I think that... I think that they've taken it too far. I think and that I she... And I think it's, like, a betrayal of Sid. I agree. Because, like, I agree. Sid... Like, Sid knew what she was doing look-wise. And even when she was faking it, which was like always, she was faking a higher level of sophistication than this look belies. Yeah, I'm not digging... I'm just not digging Sid right now. I mean, I'm digging Sid because it's Sid, but 
I'm just, I think that they, she just isn't, uh, well, her and Michael are now the hams. Yeah, it's true. Right? Like, they're, they're more hammy than they are scheming. Yeah, they're basically running on legacy fumes right now. Like, yeah. They're not driving any of our, like, if we think back to seasons two and three, everything that was good, it was Kimberly, it was Michael, it was Sid, it was some Amanda, and I guess tangentially some Jane. Like, those were, like, our big storylines. Because no one cared about, like, Joe being kidnapped or being shot or any of these dumb storylines. Right, and really nobody cared about Allison and Billy. Ever, ever. Ever, ever, ever. So, yeah, it was like she was driving these great stories. She was driving the stories that we loved, and now they've just, like, kicked her to the curb. Yeah, because every week it was like, oh, what predicament will Sid find herself in? And now it's like, oh, is Sid here? Oh, Sid's just driving to work and then going home? Oh, okay. Yeah, and it's like, oh, and Sid's just crossing her arms and pouting about something. Yeah. You know, and, and now before it was, like, the the scheming and 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 the the the... The pranks and everything that she got involved in, there was a reason behind it. Now it just yeah. feels like she's getting involved to get involved because she can just be like, you know, that piece of sand under a nail or something. You know, yeah. like she can just be an irritant. Like to quote the the modern parlance, there's a difference between being a schemer and being messy. And now she's just being messy for like the gratuitousness of it. Right. And Michael is too. Yeah, Michael's not really being malevolent. Michael's just kind of there to like, all right, let's let's, let, let's throw him in the mix and have yeah. him mess around with some stuff. But it I'm, doesn't really change the groundwork. Right. I mean, slightly less so than said, but but still for the most part his 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 role even seems pretty gratuitous at the moment. It's true, unfortunately. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to head on over to Melrose Place after the cold open. We've run the credits. Um we've seen who's going to be on this episode um as the special guest stars. Um, and the building, which has just had a redo, a revamp, remember, because it was bombed, <laughs> and it looks like, it looks like hell. The building just yeah, looks like hell. It, it's like, it's dirty. It looks like they never, like, washed the walls from, like, the soot of the bomb going off, even though it, it basically had a whole big overhaul because so many, there was so much damage. Um, so I, I don't know what they're doing. It's like they couldn't have just, like, you know, thrown some paint on that sucker. Yeah. Yeah, it really looks like the condition you would have found it in right when Billy moved in. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So, and I don't know, are we seeing, apart from Amanda's apartment, any of the bombed-out apartments that actually got damaged and rebuilt? Yes. In fact, I think we see a little bit this episode because... Well, so we've seen the inside of... Allison's apartment, I think it was last week, when Haley came over. Right, and it looked exactly the same, yeah. right? Yeah, like, the furniture is even the same. Yeah, right? I was going to say, what, you, they couldn't have even changed out her furniture? Right. Also, aren't we going to see the inside of Matt's apartment today? Because um, doesn't his mom return to his apartment with him? Oh my god, that was at his apartment? I thought so. Maybe Oh, not. I think you're right. I didn't even... I just... It was such a weird little scene that you're right. It was at his apartment. And that didn't look like it was brand new. No. So basically, they were like, there was a bombing, and now we reconstructed the building, and by the way, everything looks the same. Carry on. Right. Right down to the furniture that was burned up. I mean, even... Yeah, like, was... 
Like, Amanda's apartment was unstable, but I guess everything there was back to the same. Although... Maybe Actually, the, I think Amanda's apartment looks different. Maybe the leopard sheets are new. I don't remember. I don't know. Um, who else? It was the, right? Was it the laundry room? Yeah, the laundry room got blown up. So the laundry room is also the same and ugly like it was before. Oh, yeah, because Kimberly had to go down it's, into the laundry room. It looks exactly the same. Henry. Yeah. So, so um, basically nothing is new. No. It's the same old Melrose place. Well, I mean, Amanda does have a problem finding good contractors. So that is true. I guess that's what happens. That's what happens. Okay. So when we um, get to Melrose place, we are going into Billy and Brooke's apartment where Billy's got a new client that he's meeting for a breakfast meeting. But Brooke is going to laze in bed for a while. Right. So how early is Billy's breakfast meeting because he needs to already be on the road. He's already late if it's earlier than normal work hours. Right. So, and so he is getting ready to go to work and he makes a big old mess in the bathroom and shit falls out of the medicine cabinet and oops, you know what falls out? Something that should be in someone else. Yeah, the Brooks diaphragm. He comes out with, well, he comes out with the case and he says, hey, the diaphragm's in here. And Brooke's like, oops. And so that leads to a big old fight because they never had the conversation about having children. And she just kind of springs it on him. In fairness, how could they have? Because they got married eight seconds after they first met. Yes, exactly. And so, you know, Billy is basically like, he's getting sick of of, of Brooke's manipulations. I mean, really, you're just now getting sick of Brooke's manipulations? Yeah. Um, and, and he's just going to go to the office and he doesn't want to see her right now. Right. He's just going to huff away. Right. So he huffs. Um, so we're going to go to Michael and Peter's uh, office, their new doctor office, um, and Matt is in there looking for a letter of recommendation for medical school. Matt, you're such a fool. I know. I but, know. Yeah, so Matt is apparently in some, like, wants to be in some fast track program to go from being social worker to doctor. Yeah, but remember, he has two years of medical school under his belt already, right? Yeah, something, yes, he didn't, um, he, like, dropped out to pursue social work. Yes, yeah. because he thought that the all the doctors were just too money, money, money. Yeah, he wanted to help the people, and that's yeah. done with that. Yeah. So anyway, Michael basically razzes him about going back to school, but then Sid actually gets mad at Michael because she's like, Matt's your only friend, and you should value that. Actually, a really cute scene, and so in a rare moment of, of like sweet rapport between Sid and Matt, um, and as I said, also cute knowing that a year later they'd be married in real life. I know, that. that's really sweet. That's really sweet. But you know what, Sid and Michael, they're not off the hook yet. Well, no. No, because Peter comes in and he calls them out for hiring Henry to stalk Kimberly. Yeah, I mean, not wrong. No, not wrong. It was a very bad thing. And that's when Kimberly walks in carrying flowers, which she hands to Sid, and she thanks them for curing her crazy. Yeah, she was like, you did me a favor, because I know that I wasn't seeing fake things. I was seeing real things. So I'm not. So not now, now I've realized I am not crazy, and thank you, thank you. But this is where... Sid actually learns about Amanda's predicament at this moment, and I, I don't remember how. Is she she picks up the phone? 
Or is this when she's at the door? No, because she would have been recording. I think that maybe Kimberly brings it up. Oh, she just makes a reference to, like, Amanda, like, calling Peter to the house? I don't know. But but somehow now, um, uh, Sid has figured out that um, Michael is, uh, that, that Amanda's in some sort of, Amanda's been married before, and she's got this husband who's laid up in the hospital. And the wheels start to turn. Yeah. So now we're going to go back to that hospital room where Jack's uh, Jack's lawyer is there with paperwork um, for Amanda to sign because the family, Jack's family, which we've never met, is worried that she's going to um, to inherit Jack's millions as the wife. And so basically... Um, Whatever she's going to sign indemnifies Jack from private claims. That's a direct quote. I okay. don't know that that's real. Um, well, if they have a lawyer consulting them as much as they have James Conn consulting them about the medical stuff, it's definitely not real. Okay. Um, so basically she's like, yeah, 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 send it to my lawyer. And, and this lawyer's not playing around. Like he like is basically like, he thinks that, I don't know what he thinks, <laughs> but whatever, you know, he, he makes threats. Whatever he thinks, it sounds like he's onto them and he sees through their charade. So I feel like he knows that all. I feel like he gets it all. But who's charade? Amanda and Peter's cover-up. Oh, that charade. I thought you meant the charade of, of Amanda faking her own death because she was being beaten. Well, no, I don't think he knows about the faking the death, but I do think he must be aware that, like, Jack is an abusive asshole. I mean, you'd have to be, right? I would assume. But he is things. definitely suspicious that what went down with Jack is not the story that he's hearing. Yeah. And he's not wrong. Um, so at D and D now, um, Allison is asking Billy about like, like, what do you think of this dress? This is such a weird dynamic now between the two of them. Is it a weird dynamic? I think so. I think so. I think so. Because you think, okay, they went from almost getting married to having this sort of, all of this turmoil around their relationship for I mean, at this point, several seasons, right? To him running off with Brooke and then Allison running off with Brooke's dad. And so now they're working together again. And she's like, what do you think of this dress? I don't know what I, what to wear at, to dinner with Haley because he has butlers. And I'm like, what? It's, I don't know. that the, the relationship between the two of them strikes me as so weird now. Well, it is weird. Yes. I also feel like it's in a kind of limbo because it's not really going to last too long because, like, Brooke is going to keep doing things that piss Billy off. So, uh, I just feel like, I feel like Billy almost instantly regretted marrying Brooke and can't really do anything about it. So there's, like, this unspoken thing where Allison is like, yeah, I know she sucks and I know you know she sucks. And Billy is like, yeah, she sucks. I mean, I guess, I guess if he just dumped her, we wouldn't have a storyline anymore. So I mean, I, I know you that's know. what you would prefer. <laughs> so, by the way, I um, 
I watched the Watch What Happens Live on Bravo, the Andy Cohen hosted show, where he usually has like a uh, uh, one of like the Housewives or one of the Bravo shows is one guest, and then the second guest is someone who's like from real Hollywood. Right. Um, but I think on some nights he just has two real Hollywood guests, and Kristen Davis was on last week. She's in some Netflix holiday movie with Rob Lowe, so she was promoting that. Yeah, we talked about that. Remember where I said I wanted to see it? And so, so yes, yes. So I didn't, I don't know anything more about the movie, but um, she was promoting that. And um, then they did, like, a highlight reel from her early career, and they show this, like, 80s horror movie, which I was sad to learn I've not seen. I kind of want to find it because it looked really bad. What's it um, called? I don't remember. It was called, okay. like, Animal or something. Okay. Um, and then they, they showed a clip. From Melrose, and it was the scene from a couple episodes back when Brooke tells Amanda that she's like lured Jack to LA, and Amanda strangles her in the office. <laughs> and it was like she was watching it for the first time. She's like, "I forgot we even filmed that." Oh my god! Anyway, I thought she came off really well. I know you hate her, but she looked sweet, and um, not her face didn't look too too fresh. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna look up the name of this horror movie, but I am uh, I kind of am into the idea of watching the. The holiday film too. Yeah, I I watched. Um, I finally watched the whole uh, preview. You know, the whole trailer for mm. it. And Roblo is just great. He kind of is. He, I mean, he really is like yeah. frozen in time. Yeah, he's just awesome. And you know, I I feel like I might be able to tolerate her because he balances that balances that out. Yeah, if you're looking for someone to tip the scale, I think uh, Mr. Lowe could do it. Yeah, and since I don't have the Hallmark Channel, I need to get this sort of, like, sappy holiday movie shit out, and I'm kind of glad that Netflix is stepping in to fill fill the void. Yeah, I feel like they probably have a ton of them lined up now. I know. You would think that they would want to give Hallmark a run for its, uh, you know, Christmas money. Yeah. Um, Anyway. Doom Asylum, I think, is the name of this movie that she was in. Oh, my God. That sounds awfully, awfully awful and awfully great. Yeah, sounds sounds mostly great, but but we digress. Yeah. Anyway, okay. So um, Allison asks Billy about dress. Billy tells Allison that he's sad because he had a fight with Brooke, and that's the whole scene. Moving on to Hart Mancini Designs. Um, oh, this is the Hawaii. Yeah, Jane decides that they need to do a photo shoot in Hawaii, which is her attempt to lure Richard away and try and win him back. Right, and so Richard is like, great, Hawaii, let's bring Joe. That's yeah. not what Jane wants Jane to do. Want, yeah, backfire. Mm, not a good idea. So anyway, um, after Richard springs that on Jane, we're going to head over to Shooters, where Shelly, remember her, Jake's brother's ex-wife. She of the books. She is working on Jake's books in the dark. We had this conversation last week. You guys missed it, so we're going to repeat it again. Why is she always in the dark? Yeah, not like metaphorically, literally, guys. It's very dark in that little airless room where she's doing the books. Yeah, like they don't have overhead lights that they turn on. She's just like doing like the the computer work by lamplight. Yeah. yeah so it's weird. Like, yeah, it's basically like, uh, maybe not everyone will remember this, but the end of Psycho. When they go into the basement and find um, Mrs. Bates, just and like sitting, find the mom, <laughs> and there's one, and there's like just the one light that that swinging back and forth. Um, it's basically kind of that's all she's got. Not a yeah. lot of light. 
Yeah, pretty much. Um, so while she's doing the books in the dark, um, I guess Jake is getting himself prepared for a date with Joe. Um, but Joe comes by and she has to cancel their date because she's gone to Hawaii and she's got to buy a bathing suit. Yeah, which I feel like you already live in L.A. and have a pool in your building. You have a bathing suit, but fine. Yeah. And you know what? Not a good reason to cancel your date. No. Not a good reason to cancel your date with your boyfriend. No. If you're Jake, you can find reasons to feel um, upset at Joe. And, and boy, does he. Yes. And, and how. And how. And so uh, Shelly is sort of like, you know, lurking in the dark and watching the whole thing. And when when Joe leaves to, I assume, go bathing suit shopping, Shelly steps in. She grabs him and she's like, let's dance. And then they have, and then they come up with like, you know, an idea to make shooters billions of dollars. Who knew it was struggling in the first place? No, that's new information, but she knows because she's doing the books. In the dark. And so they come up with this scheme where they're going it's- to hire a DJ two nights a week and charge a cover charge, and it's going to make Boku money for shooters. I mean, I wouldn't use the word scheme. It's just crazy to think that it will turn things around so quickly. Yeah, and this whole episode was like one giant Melrose Place time warp. Yeah, yeah. By the way. That makes sense. Yeah. The the timing of everything, because basically I think that Hawaii, the Hawaii trip was supposed to happen like, oh, we're going to Hawaii. Oh, when? Tomorrow. Yeah. But then nobody leaves for like three days. Okay. And this shooters thing where they're going to like hire DJs, all of a sudden the next night they have a DJ and they're charging a cover. It doesn't work like that. No. 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 How would anyone know to come? They need advance warning. How would you even have have a DJ, like, to hire? I was hoping that I could make some quick reference, like, oh, well, we've heard blah, 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 spin in the past. We're singing. But no, there's nothing. No. Nothing. Nothing. So anyway, um, now we're going to go to Haley's house. Where Allison and Haley are talking about marketing, um, because that's so romantic. And then Allison starts asking about Brooke's mom. And Haley's not too happy about that. He doesn't want to talk about Brooke's mom. Yeah, very touchy about it. Yeah, very touchy. And anyway, Allison, uh, Haley has staff. Mm-hmm. And Allison has let the staff go, and she ordered a pizza, and that is her contribution to dinner with Haley, um, which is, like, really kind of cute and funny. And then Haley's like, well, I'll get wine. And he's like, oh, wait, you don't drink. And she's like, no, no, you can have wine. Of course you can have wine. And he's like, oh, well, go pick a bottle from the wine cellar. And, and like, she's she's moved in. You'd think she knows where the wine cellar is. Um, but she has to like go down the hall and try all these doors and, oh, that's not it. That's the closet. And, oh, that's not it. That's the bathroom. And, oh, that's weird. These doors are locked. Yeah. Mm. So she finds this locked room. She's trying to get in and Haley comes out of nowhere and he's very angry with her. He's very, very angry that she's trying to get into that room. Yes. No poker face on Haley. No, no. He said, absolutely, what are you doing? Under absolutely no circumstances can you ever go in there. (laughs) Which, of course, means somebody's got to go in there. She's going to give up questioning what's in the room. Nope. 
Not at all. Not at all. But who does she ask later on about what's in that room? (sighs) Probably Brooke. See, here's the thing. Allison makes a lot of really dumb decisions. I mean, just like, you know, she knows that Brooke doesn't like her. Why is she going to go say to Brooke, oh, want to tell, like, oh, there's this locked room in your house, you know, like, and and then Brooke is going to, like, be like, yes, of course, that's my mother's room. Here are the keys. And you're actually going to go use them? You right. think that's a good idea? She wants you and your you and Haley to break up, Allison. What are you doing? Yeah, all of this is true. But where would we be if Allison had common sense? She'd never be blind. She'd probably never have been with Bill. She'd probably already have moved out. So yeah, she'd probably have moved to New York and had like a really hot job at like a fancy ad agency. Yeah, she'd probably be the Amanda Woodward of the East Coast. Yeah, exactly. Or Chicago. She'd go to Chicago. Or Chicago still too close to uh, home. I guess so. Um, anyway, so she, I mean, we might as well just jump in with the rest yeah. of this. So she unlocks the door and she goes into the room of requirement. It is definitely the room of requirement. It is like yeah, yeah, filled yeah. with shit. It's just filled with shit. And it's creepy not, shit. Again, not literal shit, but all this, all this memorabilia, all of these mementos of, um, Brooke's mom, wife number one. Yeah, so there's, like, like a big picture of her. It's almost like an altar, and there are, like, creepy dolls, and there's, like, big wardrobes with all these clothes that have never been gotten rid of. And so, you know, Allison is just kind of standing in the middle of all this, taking it in. But you know what? Did she check to see if Haley was home? (laughs) Did she close the door behind her so that maybe she could pretend that she really wasn't in there? No. Door is wide open. She never checked to see if Haley was home. Guess who comes up behind her? Hint, it's Haley. He is not happy. Oh, he's pissed. He is really, really angry, and I don't remember now. I gotta look through my notes. He throws the he throws a fit. He throws the photo. Oh yeah, and then oh, <laughs> and then Allison's like, "It wasn't me. It was Brooke's fault. She gave me the key." Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. So basically, like they're they're having this big fight, and he's like. And and he's upset that she went in the room, and and so basically she and she and I think he says something like I don't even know what you, what you think you're you're in here looking for, and Allison's like I'm not looking for her, I'm looking for you. Exactly. Which is a great Which is a good line. line. Yeah. It's a great line, except that I didn't realize she needed to look for Haley. No, because as we've said, their getting together happened so quickly and so mostly seamlessly that it was like, oh, I guess they're good. Oh, I guess they're beyond obstacle. Yeah, so all of a sudden we have an obstacle here where she's saying she's looking for him. But I don't understand how she could be saying that because, to be perfectly honest with you, he's been a great boyfriend, with the exception of this weird thing with the room. Yeah. You know... Which is, like, sizable, but yes. Yeah. I mean, well, you know, and and again, like, the room was probably, all of this was just planted so that she could say that she's looking for him, because otherwise, why would you bother? Yeah. Anyway. I'm sick of those two already. Well, don't worry. They'll resolve this. Yeah. Um, So we're going to go back to the hospital, because we have a Sid scene. 
uh, where Sid shows up with these uh, beautiful bouquet of flowers, which I think were um, actually the flowers that uh, that Kimberly gave her, uh, <laughs> because she's going to bring them to her long lost uncle Jack. <laughs> right. Because she needs to get in that room for some reason to, I don't know, ask the comatose guy what the hell's going on with Amanda. Um, But she doesn't get past the nurse's station because the lawyer is there. And the lawyer basically, like, calls her out. And he's like, sweetheart, I don't know who you are, but you are just scheming because you want to take all of Jack's money. Ding, ding, ding. Now he's got Sid's attention. Yeah. Money. Money, money, money. Um, So... Even though she doesn't get in to see Jack, she does get a little bit more information, and, you know, she's probably going to do something with that. Um, yes, probably right. Yeah. Um, so, back at Hart Mancini, um, Jake, is, Jake shows up looking for Joe, and Richard's being a real ass, and Joe is basically in a dark room, and Richard is like, she doesn't like to be disturbed when she's in the dark room, and Jake is like, I'm her boyfriend, I will disturb her wherever I want. And Richard's like, oh, no, you cannot go in that dark room. You cannot. And then, of course, like, Jake barges into the dark room. Theme, um, of, theme of the night is when they say, don't go in those rooms with closed doors, you go right on in. You just, like, you just you just walk right on in. And so, basically, he barges in because he needs to tell her about the dance night at Shooters. Whatever. Could have waited. Um, yeah. Again, if we had cell phones, the whole world would be different. But yeah. Right. Exactly. And she's like... But I've got to go to Hawaii. And he's like, well, can't you stop by, by before you go? And she's like, maybe. I don't, like, I don't know. Because we don't know when she's going to Hawaii. And apparently nobody knows when she's going to go to Hawaii. But she's going to Hawaii. And that's her excuse for never doing anything with Jake. And Jake basically is like, look, Joe, you know Richard's after you. Yeah. Jake sees it. Joe doesn't know. It can, Jane sees it. Yeah. Jane Jane now sees it. Yeah. 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 So back at Peter's house, we have Kimberly again, and she is going to get the job offer of a lifetime. Yeah. As out of the blue as a job offer has, has, has ever been. So you know how Kimberly's been calling Dr. Joyce Brothers the past couple episodes and unloading about her terrible marriage to Michael and how he basically made her crazy? Well... They have they have reverse dialed the number, and they have called Kimberly to offer her a job. As you do, as one does. So basically, Doctor Joyce Brothers needs a fill-in host so that she can take a little time off, and um, and she would, thinks Kimberly would be a great person to to have that job. So she needs to have a meeting. Like Kimberly needs to go to the radio station and have a meeting, but Kimberly's got a little bit of a problem. Yeah, her left arm. Yeah, it's called house arrest. Yeah. Yeah, so she's got this bracelet on her wrist. She can't leave. Um, it's, it's like the monitoring bracelet. She can't leave. It's like her the, the hospital, Peter's house, and Peter's office, and that's it. Um, but she wants this job. So she needs, she, needs, she needs a day. She's like, well, I can't do it today, but I'll do it tomorrow. I'll see you tomorrow. I'll come by tomorrow because she needs to figure out how she's going to get out of yeah. this bracelet. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, okay, so now we're going to go to Shooters, where it's Halloween and the DJ is playing. I don't know what the hell's going on here, but but the, the time warp is in mm-hmm. full effect, mm-hmm. all right? 
So it's Halloween. There's a DJ. Um, Shelly and Jake are dancing. They're like, we make a great team. Look at how much money we're making. Now, Shelly says that Joe called and said that she was going to be working late with Richard, so would not be coming to the, to this, the, the first, uh, you know, DJ night. Um, this was kind of a cool scene, though, because everybody was there. Like, there, yeah. Brooke is there. Billy's drinking and uh, alone at the bar. And Brooke shows up. And Michael's there with Sid. And he's talking about how the chief of ja- chief of staff job fell through. What was that about? We didn't even know he was up for it. Or or could be up for it again. Yeah. yeah like, who, I mean, and they just keep losing chief of staffs over there, like, Dropping like flies. Well, I've got to believe that James Conn knows how hospitals work, so this must be the way uh, chief of staff and residencies go. Yeah, and Matt's there drinking coffee because he's on a study break. Matt. Studying for what, you ask? So did we. We did. We did. Apparently, there's some sort of test that Matt needs to take to re. It's not the MCATs, but he does need to reinstate his claim to medical school or whatever, and I guess they they do this through the hospital. Right. Some sort of, like, standardized test. And Matt is super strung out. And it's kind of awesome to watch. Yeah. And so Michael basically is like, Matt, you can't be a doctor. You're too sensitive. And then Sid calls Michael out again and basically is like, dude, Matt's an ally and everyone hates you. So you just be friends with him. You know, I wish we had more of this Sid who is there and is an ally and kind of like calls Michael out. Whether they're a couple or whether they're just a couple that had a past. Like, I love those scenes more than I like Sid just outright pining for Michael. Well, and here's the thing. Are they a couple or are they just a couple? They're not. They're just, they're not a couple right now. They're just a couple of people that aren't otherwise attached to other people. So this is, like, how they have just sort of aligned for an episode. Or okay. Couldn't quite figure out where we were with that. But okay. No. But Sid does still want Michael. Right. Right. Oh, and also at Shooters, Amanda's drunk. Yeah, in a witch hat. In a witch hat. Amanda is drunk in a witch hat, and Peter is there, and Peter has to take her home. Right. Because also, it's Halloween. Right. Yeah. Hence the witch hat. Exactly. Which, there was no other Halloween... Yes. We don't know... Morning. No, I don't think we know it's Halloween beforehand, but we do have trick-or-treaters coming up in a bit. Yes, we do. Um, so back at Haley's house after the creepy room was of requirement was opened, um, Allison has packed her bags and she's leaving. Wait, 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 packed her bag, right? Her bag. She, sorry. Her bag. Her one bag. Cause yes. she just has the one bag that she left Melrose with. Right. Um, well, which makes sense cause all of her stuff blew up though. I guess right. if the rest of her apartment is back, then I guess all of her stuff reassembled itself too. Anyway, so Allison's leaving She probably got it all out of the room of requirement. Uh, Yeah, yeah, it must have been. So she's basically like, you know what? I don't want secrets anymore. Secrets destroyed all of my past relationships. Okay. Um, And and so she can't handle any more secrets, and she's not going to have them with Haley. And Haley, you know, sort of breaks down and says that Brooke's mom was the big lie of his life. That she had affairs, that she got, you know, surreptitiously pregnant. Oh, doesn't that sound familiar to sort of trap him? Um, But he was trapped anyway because she was really wealthy, so he was there for the money. Um, Anyway... Yeah, and he and Haley is like basically saying that um, that Brooke is trying to drive a wedge in between them. Yeah, 
Which he's not wrong. Lots, lots of truth right there. Yeah, I mean, he's not wrong, but what a weird thing, because that's his daughter. Yeah, but you're, yes, we're so busy disliking Brooke and, for me at least, liking Allison, that I'm like, yeah, I like this. I like how it's panning out. <laughs> Screw you, Brooke. Um, so next up at Melrose Place, Peter is getting a really drunk Amanda home, and um, she is flirting with him. Yeah. And- Yep. And he wants to leave, and then she kisses him, and one thing leads to another, and I guess they're getting back together. Um, yeah, I mean, they spend the night, and it looks like they're definitely... Whatever wall that Amanda had put up between her and Peter, which, you know, he did try and kill her, so I understand that. Um, it, the, the wall seems to be down. Yeah, until the next morning when Amanda's hung over, and yeah. and she's like, you took advantage of me. And he's like, no, I didn't. And she's like, I don't care. Just, I don't want to see you. And he's <laughs> like, and he basically is like, I love you. And she's kicking him out, which is like the best. Yeah. Where she's just like, oh, take your love and shove it up your ass, Peter. Yeah, I wish she did say that. Yeah. Um, so while this is going on, Kimberly is getting out of her bracelet. She's, she's unshackling the chains that bind her. In what is probably my favorite scene of the episode. It is one that I had to close my eyes because I, first of all, I couldn't figure out what the hell she was doing. So she has like a George Foreman grill, right? Is that what we think it is? I think so. Yeah. And she has like a swig of whiskey, uh, to, to get ready. And then she like brings the grill down on top of the, her wrist to melt off the bracelet? Well we, well, we see the bracelet hit the floor, and it doesn't look melted off. I think she basically just uses the grill to, like, break snap her it? hand and, and snap the, and in doing so, snap the tracking bracelet off of her wrist. Because she's either, like, broken her wrist or some portion of her hand or something. Right. Um, to, to get it off. And so there it is on the floor of Peter's house. Except that it's ace bandaged up the next time we see her, so it can't be broken. It's not broken. broken. So I guess, I don't know, a sprain? I don't know. I don't know. Ask anyway. James Kahn. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, he'd know. The medical expert. Anyway. At Hart and Mancini Design, Jane, we find out, has retained a Hawaiian photographer and Richard basically calls her out, and he's like, "Why don't you want Joe? With why don't you want Joe to come with us? She's our photographer." And Janus says it's because Richard is taking Joe because he wants to have a fling. Now, yeah, he does. Like we know that now, um, or through by the end of the episode, we do. But I'm very curious as to how everybody seems to know this, except for the two people that this is kind of all hinging on. I have no answers for you. I know. It just, again, is one of those things that kind of came out of left field. Like, Joe's been a good friend to Richard, and then all of a sudden, he's going to, like, make a play for her? This, yeah, this whole storyline is very jagged, because we'll, like, go long stretches without seeing Jane and or Richard, and then all of a sudden, they'll have, like, reached some new milestone of either intimacy or being mad at each other or being over being mad at each other and I'm like but I don't know how you got from one point to the next yeah but we've never brought in to see whatever the hell is going on with them and basically I feel like the writers were trying to I mean I guess because you've said like Jane the character Jane sort of said Josie Bissett was like I want you to change my character and not let her be such a pushover and so they go here this is where they end up I don't, yeah. I don't. I don't think that this was necessarily better. No, I mean, I think it, it's cool to watch Jane have a spine, but this storyline is is so different. Yeah, I mean, this is like not Jane with a spine. This is Jane with a 
I don't know what, but it's not Jane with a smile. Yeah, I mean, it's like, it's like ruthless, ambitious Jane, but like, you know, having her say, oh, I don't know if I love Richard, but I know it's, this marriage would be really good for me. It's like, that is not you. Yeah, that's not her. And like, you know, I mean, I guess the thing is with Jane, like, she's not a character that does. She's a character that things happen to. Yeah. Right? Like, you have characters that do things, like Amanda is a doer, right? Yeah. Kimberly's a doer. Sid's a doer. And then you have the characters where shit happens to, and that would be Jane, and that also is Allison. Yes. They react, but they don't act. Yeah. 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 And so now they've sort of, like, you know, instead of this being, like, Jane summons her courage and acts and letting it be sort of part of this character, trans, like, a trans mission or change like some sort of some sort of change that the character goes through they just made her suddenly be a character that acts and instead of it being like once or twice when she really has to like sort of get driven to the point of action now she just does it and it doesn't work for her no no it doesn't at all yeah um so yeah, so Kimberly gets the job, by the way. She starts tomorrow. Right. Because so that's how this happens. Kimberly, yes. Kimberly meets uh, Dr. Joy's brothers in person with the, you know, the, the ace bandage or whatever on her arm. And at one point, she says to Dr. Joy's brothers, you know, I have a background in mental health. And she's like, I could tell. <laughs> <laughs> I have a background in crazy. Of course you did. Um, so, uh, so Kimberly starts tomorrow. So, like, just like that, boom, she's got a job. Yeah, if only it could always be that easy. Oh, my God. Okay, so we're back at the hospital, and we're in Jack's room, and the nurse is there, and Amanda's there, and and the nurse is like, oh, look, he's doing so much better. He's on the verge of waking up. Whatever you said to him must have worked. Yeah. And then, you know, poor poor Amanda's face is like this sort oh, of like, fuck. oh, yeah. shit, right? Um, okay, so now we're going to go to Melrose Place, and Jake sees Jane, and... Oh, we completely forgot to mention that when Jane was like, you're just taking Joe because you want to have a fling, Richard calls a client in New York and is like, you need to tell Jane that she has to come out to New York and it's an emergency and she needs to go tomorrow. And so basically that's what happened. And so now Jane is on her way to New York, not Hawaii, and she runs into Jake at Melrose Place, because, um, and, the, and then, and then Jane basically spills and says that Richard and Joe are going to Hawaii, she's going to New York, and Jake all of a sudden starts to make a lot of assumptions. The first of which that Joe knows what's going on, which she does not, um, and, and that Joe is going to have an affair with Richard, which she is not, and that's when the trick-or-treaters show up and Jake throws money at them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because he has no candy. He has no candy, and they want candy, so he gives them money. Yeah, which, hey, yeah. take it. And so now at Peter's office, this is when Amanda bar- barges in, and she has, like, this sort of showdown with Peter and about how Jack is waking up, and she basically, like, info dumps with, with that whole situation while Sid has picked up a phone and is recording the whole thing. Yes. And so Sid now has on the dictaphone or whatever recording system that Amanda basically, like, saying, like, she killed Jack and they're covering it up. Yeah. Yeah, <sighs> yeah Sid, up to you, old tricks. Yep. So 
Anyway, you gotta be careful when Sid's around. I can't believe nobody's learned that yet. Um, at D&D, we're going to go to D&D for a minute. We're going back to Brooke. She's just come back from a doctor's appointment. And guess what, Billy? You're going to be a daddy. Preggers. She's preggers. And Billy thinks that it's a joke because he's like, but you only didn't use your diaphragm that last night. And apparently she's been doing this for weeks now. Yeah. Surprise. Surprise. But I think the surprise might be on us because I think that she might be lying. Um, it, it might be the case. There's there's a few different scenarios I feel like in which she is lying, but I'm not sure if this is one of them. Oh, so she does this repeatedly then? Well, no. I mean, I'm trying not to spoil things, but going off in memory, I feel like I think she's actually pregnant, miscarries, and then starts the lying about the pregnancy to, to Billy. Oh, okay. You know, that, like, tried and true thing. That try okay, that um, would make sense. But, but I'm not 100% sure that's what's happening. But I do think right now she has actually been lying and not using the diaphragm and is actually pregnant. I okay. think that's, I think that's what has happened. Okay, well, you could have knocked Billy over with a feather. He was not expecting this. Oh. He gets the dumb look right away. <laughs> well, yeah, she she walked into the room. In fairness, and he already had it going on. <laughs> yeah, the dumb look. Um, so his dumb look was extra this time. Yes, lots of dumb. Um, and at the hospital, Matt's finally yeah. clearing out his office. Um, he took the exam yesterday. He's not feeling very good about it. Michael is being supportive. He's taking Sid's advice. He's being supportive, and that's when Michael creeps his way into the records room. Um, and gets into the computer system um, by pretending he's a doctor, getting a password to get into the computer system. And Matt ha- and he looks up the test results, and poor Matt has failed by two points. He needed a four- 500. Uh, he got a 498. So guess what Michael does? He bookends the situation we found ourselves in just two years earlier, and he helps Matt pass. He gives him a 502 instead of a 498. So Matt has now passed whatever test it was that he needed to pass so that he could go back to medical school. Yes. Um, now we're at Melrose Place, and Joe is coming downstairs uh, with Richard um, because, I guess, they've got a car that's taking them to the airport. And that's when he tells her that Jane is not going. So she, up until this point, assumes that Jane is going. They're going down the stairs. She's like, okay, let's go get Jane. And he's like, oh, no, 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 she's in New York. It's just going to be us. And Joe is like, wait, what? And Joe is mad. Like, yeah, she's, she's mad. mad. She stands up for herself. She's like, no, you're being a creeper. I'm not going anywhere on this trip, you know, alone with you and Jake was right and this isn't going to happen. And she did the right thing and so she's like, I'm not going to Hawaii and I'm going to go find my boyfriend. But you know who doesn't know that she did this right thing? Her boyfriend. Her boyfriend. Um, we're going to just jump over to Peter's office real quick where uh, Peter's leaving, Michael needs to handle the emergencies, I don't even... Anyway, that's when Sid shows Michael the tape and she's like, we've got this. We've got them. Amanda did this. And Michael, she wants to threaten Amanda. And Michael is like, no, we're not doing that. Right. Um, so back at shooters, Jake is drunk. 
um, because, you know, what was me. And um, he's hitting on Shelly in the dark office. <laughs> yeah, it's been mood lighting all along. We just didn't know. <laughs> and she's like, oh, you're drunk. I'll just take you home. And then that doesn't work out. And they just sort of like, you know, throw everything off the desk. And they're going to have this moment of passion on the desk. And that's when Joe walks in. Of course. I mean, of course it is. Yeah. And Jake is basically like, oh, you're not in Hawaii yet? We'll have a nice trip. Well, that's the end of Jake and Joe. And really? Forever. Yeah. After after all that, our favorite couple ever, one of our super couples on the show, and this is how it comes to an end. And this is it for them, right? This is it, it. Like, they're done. Yeah, because Joe's going to leave at the end of this season, and everyone's storylines are in different places between now and then. So this I is, don't blame her for leaving. I would leave, too. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. she probably should have left after what's-his-name. After she was kidnapped on the boat? Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's when she should have left. Um, so, but that's not our Cliffy. Oh, no. That is not our Cliffy. So, we're in Jack's hospital room, and Amanda is there. And remember, the last time we heard about Jack, the nurse was saying, he's coming around, we think he's going to live. And he's on the respirator, and you see Amanda looking between the respirator and him, and the, and, and what the, and the plug for the respirator, and then she makes a grab for the plug. Because she could, she could just end all of this right now. And the hand hovers there in anticipation. And she drops her hand. She doesn't do it. Yeah, she does, like, the right human thing. Right. She can't be a she murderer. She won't end a life. No, she can't be a murderer. And guess what happens? He wakes up. He's not dead yet. He's not dead yet. And he wakes up and there is no, he like rips that respirator off of him and he's totally fine. So you know what? If she unplugged it, nothing would have happened, right? And he basically is like, I'm not going to hurt you again. I want you to go home. Just go home. You know, this is it. We're, I I understand and we're through and I'll never hurt you again. And she actually starts to believe him, and then he grabs her, and he tries to choke her. With with all the strength of the healthiest man, like Jason Momoa's strength from his hospital bed, yeah. he grabs her. Yeah. 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 The guy that was, like, at death's door, like, just, what, an hour ago, is able to, like, grab her and strangle her. Um, and, and he's in the middle of strangling her, and Amanda's trying to fight her way out of it, and she's not being terribly successful. He just ups and dies. Yeah. He's strangling her. He's really, like, doing a number on Amanda. And then all of a sudden, he just stops. He collapses back down on his hospital bed. And he is out. He is flatlining. Yeah, like, literally flatlining. The machine is like, beep. Like, he is dead. And wouldn't you know it, that's when Sid walks in. Right when, because Amanda sort of, like, comes to and she slaps him. And, and just as she slaps him, in walks Sid. With, the, like, the flatlining noise and everything else, it's just, it's, like, the worst situation for a man to be fa- to be found in, especially by Sid. But there you go. And that is our Cliffy, and that ends the, the season four, episode nine, Amanda Unplugged. <laughs> yeah, I thought you were going to say ends the season. I said, oh, no, no, we have, we're, like, <laughs> we're like, a quarter of the way there. We have so many, <laughs> that so ends the many season, stories. guys. We're done. <laughs> It's a lot. We made a reference in the, I think, in the version last week that you'll never know um, about earlier in 
this season, something about the bombing, I think. And you're like, the bombing was still this season? You were only like <laughs> nine episodes hence. I know, we're only nine episodes in and that bombing feels like it was so long ago. Yeah. Yeah, they Jesus. pack they pack a ton in. Um, I don't know. I I think I said something last week to the effect of how it's different than it used to be, but it's sort of achieved a new campy equilibrium, and I'm okay with it right now. I recognize it's not what it was. They're not using Sid or Kimberly or Michael effectively, um, and they're overusing Brooke, and they don't really know what to do, and and they have destroyed Jake and Joe. I had. I acknowledge all of that. This is not a classic season, but I'm still enjoying it. Well, I feel like, I feel like they, I feel like they knew that they needed to make some changes, but I feel like they weren't, I don't know, ballsy enough to like kick some actors out of the contracts or maybe they were like, didn't know which actors should go or do you know what I mean? Like, I kind of feel like they've like, instead of like dropping, dropping characters off, now we're just amassing more characters. Yeah, it's and in it's, a huge cast right now. It's like 13 principles, something like yeah, that. Yeah, and, it, and it's just turned into this sort of messy soup rather than a more streamlined, you know, thing You're where absolutely we can focus. Right. Yeah, it is not streamlined. It is messy. But um, but every now and then there's a story thread they throw some that I like. I mean, I like the Allison and Haley stuff. It's clumsy, but I like it. I like... Uh, well, I like the Amanda stuff. Yeah, I like um, the Amanda stuff. And I think Amanda and Peter are a really great power couple. Well, then you're going to get your wish. Because yeah. that's, that's the new center of the show. And what's not to love about Dr. Joyce Brothers? And I can't say that I'm sad to see Joe go. I think that I think that she was, you know, she overstayed her welcome at this point. LA well, has not they, been kind to her. No, I mean she came in a totally different character, and and they've made her something so different over and over and over again. Just so stupid. I mean, it's like it's like she came to LA and it just beat her down. Yeah. Which is, like, weird because she was a New Yorker. And, like, yeah. New York is supposed to be the city that beats you down, right? But, no, she came to... And, and she came to she came to L.A. Uh, escaping a bad marriage. Right. And so then she kept making these bad choices over and over again, um, which was a little, like, really? You yeah. know, didn't you make that bad choice before? Um, so I kind of feel like they needed to kind of weed out some characters and start fresh with new characters so that we'd have new conflict and new story. Because let's face it, how many times can Joe and Jake get back together and break up before it just is kind of like, really guys? Well, if you're talking about a daytime soap, then that can happen time and time and time again. So that's kind of what um, the the precedent was. That's what happens with the super couples. They don't keep them together. They break them up and get them back together and break them up again. Yeah, but, but I I'm feel like, like they put a lot of time in between. Although there was yeah. a lot of time between Jake and Joe this last time. But like I feel like they put uh, some real time and distance between the characters, and then they bring them back together, and then like things happen where it's not. Like, Joe being stupid, breaking them up. It's more like life comes between them, yeah, you know? Yeah, it's lazy on the writing for, like, sure. Yes. Yeah, like, it's 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 like somebody has amnesia. Yeah. Or, like, you know, I mean, I would have loved an amnesia storyline for them. Yeah. Like, that would have been better. Yeah, it would have been fun to see Grant show do what Thomas Calabro did when Michael had his, like, three-second amnesia. Yes, exactly. Exactly. But, you know, we could have, I just feel like it wasn't, 
it wasn't handled well. And so I do feel like they kind of need to get rid of some of the original people and bring some new blood in. Well, I'll be curious when we finally, at some point, get to season five, and that starts to happen a bit for f- further. Um, what you think of <laughs> the combination of eh, people are kind of uh, on the the carousel on their way out, and a lot of new people stealing focus that have just joined. So, um, well, you know, I can't wait for Lisa Rinna to yeah, show up. Yeah, we were watching. Um, uh, there was BravoCon took place this weekend. And they had, uh, so all the housewives were at a, the big convention in New York, um, and we were watching some of the footage and some of the photos, and Lisa Rinna was definitely the one that I was like, uh, she's acting the best, she's looking the best, um, I, I'm, I'm eager to come back and rewatch her, uh, when she joins the show, and see what she can do with it. Because I didn't like her then at all, and now really? I'm, very, I'm very amused by her now. So I think I will watch it with a different lens. Because I knew her from what was the daytime soap that she did before days, Melrose? Days of Our Lives. With, she did Days. With with Richard Patrick Muldoon. They were brother and sister then. Oh, how funny. Yeah. I don't even remember him, but I remember her. I loved her on Days. That was like when I was watching Days fairly faithfully because it was her and who else was on it. Was that the one with Anne Heche was on? No. That oh, was she was Another world. world. Yeah, yeah, she was Another World. But, um, but, but it was around Hope, the same time. Yeah, same time. Yeah, Bo and Hope. And Hope, who was, um, she was what, uh, Lauren Etheridge for a spell yep. on our Melrose. Um, and Deidre Hall. And that's when Deidre Hall was possessed. Oh yeah, and what was his was was Patrick Duffy on? No, he. I mean, he was on the nighttime soaps like Dallas. Yeah, and I know, but he didn't do. He didn't go to daytime for he, a storyline or two on I, that one. Why do I feel like there was a Pat? Maybe it was somebody who reminded me of Patrick Duffy. I know later in life he ended up on. I want to say Bold and the Bold and the Beautiful, but I didn't watch but that one. Much later. Um, he may have started in the soaps, but that would have been way before this too. Okay, no. So, so anyway, it was, but it, it was like a, it was, it was a Patrick Duffy type then that was. Oh, yeah. maybe. Oh, maybe it was the actor that was. Oh shit, Charles Shaughnessy. Maybe that's oh, who it was. Oh, I can see that from the nanny. Yes, he was. Yeah, he was uh, definitely on around that time. Yeah. Yes. Okay, that's what it was. So, so he was, left to do the nanny, I believe. So yeah. So this was sort of like I feel like you know this is also. I mean, this was a little bit later than Luke and Laura, but I feel like the 80s going into the 90s was kind of like a golden age of daytime soap. It was straight up until the OJ trial. It definitely was. Because there were some great, I mean, there were some really great actors. Demi Moore was on General Hospital, um, you know, that were coming into... John Stamos. John Stamos was the next name I was going to say, yeah. Uh, You know, so so we had all of these actors that went on to do things outside of soaps, which honestly is kind of a rarity, Um, you know, from daytime, moving from daytime into primetime television or even movies in the case of Demi Moore um, and Anne Heche. Um, So you had all these really terrific actors and these really great storylines. And so in the daytime soaps, and I'm just... I don't remember what my point was tying back to Melrose Place, but Lisa Rinna. Um, so I knew her from that soap and loved her on that soap. She was really wonderful. Incidentally, um, have you heard that days might finally be getting canceled? Yeah, what they sent everybody home. They haven't renewed any of their contracts. And, and like, didn't they air? They aired an episode at like two o'clock in the morning or something like that. That might have been because of like preempting for a Trump 
for like an impeachment hearing. Oh, right. But um, but but the thing about days for a long time has been they film their stuff like six to eight months ahead of time. So Did really, I didn't realize that. Yeah, because every time an actor is like, "Yep, I'm leaving the show. My next date's going to be next. My last date's going to be next year." Bye. It's really weird, and and it also makes I guess spoilers much easier because people know way in advance who's coming and going. But um. I guess they're currently on a hiatus, and the hiatus can stretch for a while because they have stuff filmed until, like, May or June of 2020. And so usually when that happens, when they reach a hiatus, is that they've already, like, renewed the contracts for their players, and they haven't renewed anyone's contracts. You know, I was kind of wondering, I was kind of thinking about this when I heard about it. Do you think... That there is, because I feel like, you know, everything is cyclical. Everything comes back. There's always a resurgence of something, partially because of nostalgia, for sure. I feel like daytime needs to swing back. Maybe not in its incarnate, as we necessarily know daytime soaps, but I feel like there is a place for these things. Um, I don't know where they live, but I feel like they can live. It just is a matter of, it's a question of where, right? Yes, I feel like the the traditional daytime soap opera will not come back in a more robust form as we know it. But I wonder, I mean, I know there are a bunch now of like web serials that have sort of taken over. Okay. And they don't have the same sort of following or recognition factor. But I do know that a lot of people that were like essentially from the world of soaps from the 80s and 90s have been doing stuff there. They've created categories for it at the Daytime Emmys. I don't know where else, I don't know where else that kind of storytelling moves to. I don't know where else that kind of acting, which is both like hammy and cheesy and also super disciplined because you're memorizing mm-hmm. like 50 pages of dialogue five days a week. Um, I don't know where that all goes. I have to also say, like, there is something in an, in, a, in our era where we binge watch, in an era when we can re-watch, right? Because everything is right there. And so we can watch it. We can watch a series all the way through. We can come back to a series. We can watch it again. Um, there, I, I feel like there's something novel about... A, a, a soap that you need to follow like on a daily basis, even though you don't really, because like general hospital and a lot of these soaps are like on Hulu, but the idea that like you need to watch this thing and then it goes away. Right. Yeah. And, and just the fact that like, it's there every day. Like, I, I think, I feel like people always loved the companionship aspect of it. That it was like, okay, five days a week, I'm I'm either at home or I'm working every day and then coming home and I'm getting my fix of these families and their stories or the, this relationship and the, those stories, blah, blah, blah. That, and like that you can sit down every day and watch an episode and you're not, but you're not going to binge it because you can, there's no there's following so episode. Much, yeah. There's only so much, you know, you're, it's just like this thing where you've got like this hour where you're going to spend time with these characters and you can't go back and you can't go forward. And it's just being in that moment. I agree. Yeah. I mean, that'll never happen again because at the very least, like you could like with the way that the internet is, that will always exist, you know, and it will not go away. Like, you know, you'll be able to binge watch soaps if you don't catch up, you know, but, but I just think that there's something like really compelling about that because of the way that we watch now. Oh, it's, uh, I agree. It's totally true. Yeah. All right, so what do you guys think? First of all, how did we sound? 
Yeah. Did you like us? Are we clearer? Yes. Please tell us. Be honest. Doug, I think you sound great. I will. You always sound great. Oh, thanks. But you sound like clear. We're not getting like the weird noises. <laughs> Good. No ghosts coming through. No my ghosts. End. Good. By the way, we didn't say at the beginning of the episode the um, problem we had with the sound and the recording last week was all my fault. So I just want you to know that in Karen's hands, you're always great. Um, I am the one who has been screwing it all up recently. So, <laughs> so just full disclosure there. Yeah, but the Skype stuff's not your fault. <laughs> well, that's not my fault, but I can only, I'll blame my apartment building. Right. I mean, I feel like, I feel like I mean, this, this is going to sound really good. Like when we, when, when I'm, when I sit down and edit it, I'm, I'm really excited about this. I think we're going to sound richer and fuller and a lot less annoying because we're not, you guys aren't like dealing with like you know, bee boops, robotic yes. bee boops, you know, from, from outer space. No, no more bee boops. Yes. Um, so yeah, hit us up. What did you guys think of the episode? Um, are you guys going to miss daytime television? Um, hit us up on back on the block pod on Facebook. Um, and since we also, uh, did mention days of our lives, they did something else last week. I think it was just last week where they did a time jump in their storytelling. They jumped an entire year into the future um, and have new stories going on all of a sudden, which I think is a first for daytime. So if there's anyone who's following along with us uh, as we revisit Melrose, who's also watching Days in Real Time, uh, let us know what you think about that, because I think that's actually a very cool decision um, for however much longer the show is with us. Oh, I didn't I didn't realize that. Um, yeah, so we're going to... We're going to back out of Melrose, and we're going to head on over to, uh, what, we're going to Hollywood Boulevard next, right? We are, we are going to Hollywood Boulevard. Um, so follow us on over there, and we'll have uh, lots more shiz to talk about. And we'll talk about it with pristine sound. So we'll catch yes. you over there. Uh, see you on Hollywood Boulevard, guys. Bye. Bye.